Welcome everybody to a Couch Divided podcast. My name is Nick, and alongside with me, Dr. Robin Hall. Hey, how are you doing, Robin? Excellent. I was waiting for my adjective. Oh, the wonderful, beautiful Dr. Robin Hall. Long side of her. I'll, I'll let you say wonderful, beautiful. It's about my husband. Yes. My sweet, charming, says a husband, James Baird. Who is growing his beard back. Oh, yes. I like the... Uh, I like the length that you have it right now. I mean, it's always good when you have the the, the Santa Claus thing going on, but uh, I, because that's you. I'm I'm uh, almost not embarrassed to show my face in public yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but I I do. Speaking of the Santa Claus thing, I will play that up when I'm working in my because I work inpatient psychiatric, mm-hmm. and I I play on the the Santa Claus lookalike, which a bunch of my patients mm-hmm. like will point out. And I love it because I'm like, no one wants to punch Santa Claus. No, no, no. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> treats Santa with respect. <laughs> I'm sure there are people that want to punch Santa Claus, but. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, some, somebody that has a traumatic experience sitting on his knee in the, in the mall or something like that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> or uh, like the uh, movie Mall Rats where you just beat up the yes. Easter Bunny. <laughs> so. Well, now I'm terrified to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We've created a phobic response for you. Um, I just remember that. That's you actually, it. if you are good at it, like if, you, well, I'm, I mean, this is the qualifier I'm making because this is my assumption, but Santa Clauses during the season make, can make some legitimate bank, mm-hmm. actually. Yes, they do. Um, I have an uncle that does that too as well. You do not. Yeah, I do. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's a big guy. He's got a big bushy beard um, and he does uh, Santa. I don't do you know have a picture he, of him? No, I, yeah, I can get you a picture. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, a great big bushy beard. Yeah. <laughs> What's that from? It's from Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. I With the big bushy love beard. Yeah, I remember Hot that. Fuzz, yeah. 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 <laughs> and he has something that you haven't got. What's that? <laughs> a a big, great big, big bushy, bushy beard. beard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I do like this length on you, but I prefer. Like the length at our wedding and the length that you had, right? Unfortunately, before you had to shave for work, that's my favorite length. It's like, it's just like a little bit off Mm -hmm. the face and especially when it's like real nice and groomed. Yeah. I I mean, I wouldn't date you, but (laughs) I know somebody that would. (laughs) Pain. Well, Well, yeah, go ahead. Pinch punk you me a Yeah, yeah. I mean. uh, we're back. Um, we are recording on a Sunday mid-afternoon, actually before church. We have evening church, mm-hmm. late afternoon evening church, which we normally would not do. But my husband, it doesn't have another time that we can all do this together. And I thought our discussion was so fun last time that mm-hmm. we should make it make sure he was a part of the continued discussion yeah i really enjoyed the uh, the last conversation we had um with james and um i want to continue that conversation we we want to continue that conversation um talking about your ministry talking about the things that we do outside uh on the on the sidewalk of course i have a, a, a homeless and addiction ministry too as well that i do with another individual which we should have had him here but yeah he, but uh he's got shout out he's got like James six kids running Valderrama. around yeah and one on the way well that's the six kids yeah was, okay was thinking, so yeah, five yeah. currently running and yeah. a sixth baking currently. the six baking yeah. yeah 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 we should have him on though yes 
So we're shout out to you. And he is good at freestyle rap. I've been trying to get him to do things for not only our podcast, but for other people too as well. And he's just reluctant. He just won't Oh, do you it. never How asked me to freestyle rap. Yeah, he's actually really good at it too as well. I bet he is. And uh, I am terrible at it, but I do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I beatbox and that's about all I can do. And not too many beats. It's just, <laughs> it's a half a box. It's more like a shoebox. But like, uh, but uh uh, well, and his name is James yes. as well. And uh, I know all kinds of Jameses. Yes, actually, so the neighbor <laughs> right to the east of us, his name is Jimmy, yeah. short for James. Yeah. Our neighbor across the street is James. Actually, yeah. two neighbors right across the street are James. Yeah. So we are surround. We have a like a James, what would that be? Not cubed, quadrupled. <laughs> wow. James four. James by four. James by four. Four by four. Which is a boy band in the 90s. Yeah. Is, is that James not by cubed? four. I think that is cubed, is that not? No, that's three. That's three. Is it? Oh, well. Shows you how good I am. <laughs> but I understand why you would think that because a cube has four a cube sides. Has four sides. <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> no, that would be a right. quad. Quad is. is oh, so four. you guys can see like how well our elementary and middle school math paid off <laughs> so james um oh wait do we have any business nick i mean you can always uh, um email us with your questions and comments or if you just want to say hi to couch divided po- couch divided podcast <laughs> at gmail.com i'm all tongue-tied today couch divided podcast at gmail.com email us there get a hold of us there that's our contact um or you can um also message us and comment on us and follow us on on social media yeah and instagram facebook and instagram at a couch divided pod um, both the same name and you will find us on there we will reply to you or we may answer your questions here live on the air of course we will never share your personal information or your name or anything unless you want us to i guess we would but uh, um that would be with your permission Yes, only. But um, and uh, yeah, and uh, in the works is a website and all that stuff. We've been talking about that for a while. Hopefully um, a studio, and and then hopefully a little studio spot with uh, maybe cameras going yeah. on, and yes. so you can see our beautiful faces, and we'll be on the uh, YouTube or the Rumble or whatever is appropriate for. Oh my gosh, I platform. don't I don't know anything. I don't even know what Me Rumble either. is. What's Rumble? Yeah, is it a new one. New yeah, ish. it's a new one, and it's um, well, they're they're encountering the same problems too as well. But um, they uh, it, it's more of like the uh, the alternative to YouTube because they don't have the, the much strenuous community guidelines and you know, oh, no censorship. Yeah. So a lot of the uh, the Christians or the conservatives, notice how I differentiate those two, um, are going over there. Sure, so, they're not synonyms for sure. Yeah, well, not anymore, right? <clears throat> so, so um, well, with that. James, you ended our last episode with a question for Nick. Yeah, I think we have the um, the audio of it. Let's do. Let's put up that audio, and here you go. If I don't get the chance to uh, to ask this question on the actual podcast, oh, okay. I want to put this question out there for you to answer when you do it. Okay. Okay. Um, I just want your overall thoughts on because this is something I think about a lot. You know, I work inpatient psychiatric. Um, so something I think about a lot, what are your overall thoughts on like sharing the gospel with people who are actively mm. psychotic, actively oh. high on fentanyl mm. or whatever drug it might be yeah. or, or even just in a state of complete inebriation. Yeah. I have, um, an, I'm I, very interested in that yeah, and your I, thoughts on that. I have an answer and I do have an answer. 
<laughs> for that. Um, before I uh, give that answer to that question, that's what we let off with or uh, what we left off with in the last episode. You say you work in a psychiatric ward. And then you said high on fentanyl, too, as well. Do you get both of those kinds of patients in there, or do you have... Yeah, we we don't we don't ever have anybody who's currently high because there's sure. we're the hospital I work with is is the is essentially the county hospital, so we are we handle all of the involuntary cases. Mm-hmm. So in order for someone to be involuntary, there has there's obviously has to be a process to go through. So by the time that pro like by the time they go through the process to where they're with us. Uh, they've they've already been places where they've been so, off off sobered of, up yeah sobered up mm-hmm. um, so we do get a lot of people that are still kind of in the withdrawal mm-hmm. phase but we don't we don't ever get anybody who is like actively high or or inebriated right yeah. and so and I discussed uh, in the last episode there was sort of an evolution of conviction in this that is now I kind of discerned my situation um, before I would not talk to anybody that's inebriated whatsoever. I just said, oh, not in, like just not engage at all. Period. Just not engage at all. Uh, no danger, persecution, all of that. And sometimes that is the right answer too sure. as well. It just depends on how belligerent they are. I may leave them something with like a track and maybe when they sober up, they'll look at it if they have it, or maybe they'll remember my presence if I just mentioned Christ and I'll walk away. But, um, but uh, before I wouldn't do that at all. Now, here, here's something interesting. The reason why I came up with that conclusion wasn't biblical when I first started um, uh, thinking that way that Maybe. I wouldn't that okay. I wouldn't talk to them. Um, only because I was struggling with those things myself, ah. um, and I didn't want to be around it. Um, there was too much. I don't know. For lack of a thoughts. Better, well, t- being yeah. cued, being like triggered into your sure. own. What, yeah. it, so, I mean, what Nick's talking about is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. And if you are, if you're way over identifying with who you're talking to mm-hmm. and are unable mm-hmm. to separate yourself from mm-hmm. how, like the, uh, well, toxic empathy like mm. just that over relating to the person you're talking to it it will absolutely render you relatively ineffective sure i mean it was yeah. hyper transference counter transfer whatever yeah. you want to say uh depending on who's the patient at this point um, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so whatever they both qualify you wanted to say something uh no, no, no. Yeah. I do. It's hard. Like that, that I think most of you guys can relate to whether you're going out doing any kind of street mm. ministry or not. There are moments when you're talking to somebody about something like deep, deeply personal mm-hmm. and they start telling you a story and all of a sudden, oh, hi there. Mm-hmm. That That's me. Or Sorry. this is something I've very much been struggling with lately um, or I did struggle with before. And mm-hmm. There isn't anything wrong mm-hmm. with that, but if you don't have a practiced strategy, right, right for keeping mm-hmm. your things, your stuff, right, mm-hmm. the emotional baggage, quote unquote, that you're carrying with you, contained enough, right, right. to be an effective minister, mm-hmm. um, that's it spills out. It right. spills out. And I describe it in such a way as <clears throat> building re- uh, resilience. Um, 
One of the things that I went through uh, in early addiction or uh, getting out of addiction, early sobriety, I suppose, was being pretty much traumatized by every little thing. Every I did drugs and I was all over the valley. There was no don't go down this road because it reminds you of that. So avoid it everywhere reminded me of it, um, especially and, 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 and if a homeless person who struggles with addiction gets off the streets, every street tend to look, you know, they look the same and you see the type of people that you would hang around with because homelessness is everywhere. And plus you have the keen eye to actually identify that more so than anybody else. That was me. Well, and I think like that lens, not, it's not just about being able to identify it. You actually have a filter that helps you look for it. That, that's correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you can't avoid it. Certain times of the day might even do that uh, with me or certain atmospheres like a cloudy atmosphere getting ready to rain always reminded me of doing drugs for some huh, reason. That's so interesting. Because I loved South Mountain. That's where I lived in South Mountain during the rain was uh, lovely. Let's le- lovely. And then especially when you're high. <laughs> so <laughs> that is so interesting yeah. for me. Summertime did like so the mm-hmm. seasonal shift from like cool Mm -hmm. it so we really don't get very much of a springtime in phoenix Mm -hmm. the phoenix metro area it's it's winter-ish and then it's cool for a Mm -hmm. week and then it is hot Mm -hmm. like this year is surprisingly different like it's definitely a um uh a unique yeah unique weather situation so it as like the seasons change that would be a cue for me and, sure. it, and it seems like I'm avoiding the question. I'm not. I, I, I wanted to preface this with that. Building up resistance is what I really had to do. The reason why I wouldn't evangelize to those people is because I didn't have the maturity uh, in my mind to combat with my own. And it wasn't a log, get the log out of your eye kind of thing, but it almost was cohesive with what uh, your design is doing once you learn that. And what I mean by that is... Is this, listen, I had no business um, going into a situation that was going to tempt me into sin, right? I'd rather be in my house and not sin um, uh, than be out there and be tempted to. Now, you can't stay in that position. We all say it's okay to not be okay, right? But I do think that there's a, a, a development in that. It's okay not to be okay, but it's really not okay to stay there. So right. I had to learn these things and I had to do a lot of what I would say exposure therapy in Mm -hmm. some kind of cases is that I, you know what, I can't avoid the streets anymore. I have to look at them. Mm -hmm. And I've actually, James, you've experienced this with me. Um, I was going to bring that up actually. Go ahead, go ahead and tell the story. Like uh, uh, from your perspective. So this was, this was before Robin and I had even, I don't, we may have met, but we definitely had not gone out on a first date or anything. Uh, and uh, I wanted to just get some wings. And so mm-hmm. I asked Nick if you want to get wings. He's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, hey, there's this place right right next to these apartments that I was living at at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, can we go there? And you're like, yeah, sure. So we go and we're sitting there and we're eating wings and then, um, you know, just talking. And, and Nick looks at me and he's like, I don't, I don't remember ex- the exact conversation, but he looks at me and he says some long lines like, oh, I used to do this and this here or whatever. <laughs> and I was like. I was like, oh, dang, man. I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. I didn't I didn't know. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it doesn't really matter where we go, man. I'll pr- I've probably done something there. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did. And that was at the time where it's like, you know what? I'm not going to avoid this. <laughs> I got to deal with it. And I got to look at the kingdom of God and his the redemption of my environment as well as my own soul. It has to be cohesive with that, right? If he has dominion in heaven 
and on earth, then even the places that I used to do bad things and sin against him, I have to look at it through the lens of his authority. And that's what built up my resilience. It was called the glass house. It's not called there anymore. And I had a traumatic experience walking around that whole area under psychosis. Wait, wait, that was the name of the restaurant? Yeah, that was the, the name glass of yes, yeah, the, the glass, glass house. house. Okay. It was a it was sort of a sports bar kind of atmosphere, but they served pizza and wings and things like that. Huh. And we went there after church just to get some pizza and wings, and uh, <laughs> and they were good, <laughs> and they're really good. Um, they but were good. but uh, at the time when you were saying let's go there, I didn't tell you until we got there. Yeah, I, I but no right idea. when you said that, I go. Yeah, God, okay, that's probably the last place I need to go to to just <laughs> look through your lens. Sure. And then look, I have a buddy here. Right, a battle buddy. Yeah, and and it's not that I'm going to be battling there. I looked at it through it. I'm like, listen, I have a whole entire new environment. I would never go to this with a Christian. That means my environment has been redeemed. I am the uh, a child of God. And that took me a little bit to get lodged into my heart. And not only my heart, but to the processes of my mind. I think so. If like I like actually the perspective that it's really not the environment at all that mm-hmm. gets redeemed. It's you. Yes. You get redeemed. And I look at my environment right, differently. Right, right, right. And yeah. so I love the... Which is counterintuitive to a lot of studies. You know, that our, I know that our environment affects us. Sure, sure, sure. But we go, I'm a but new creation. Not, we affect our environment. That's, that's not what, what that's not what you're saying. Yeah. Right. It, the, and it isn't actually like knowing that going to that place was suddenly going to be better and safe and not triggering in any way. And that you, you know, weren't going to be reminded. It was that you were different mm-hmm. walking into it. And I think that's very important. The point you were making, like right after right after I got sober, you needed to stay home. Yes. Off the street. Yeah, you know, that, that scripture then, that says, um, be still, know that I am God. I yeah. know it's not in the literal stance, you know what I mean? Right. But to me it was. Don't move, you're gonna mess this up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. just sit there and pray for a little bit, you know what I mean? So but the point is is that you like God actually tells us that we will not stay stationary mm. like that's not what happens I gotta move. once yeah. you are saved you, you don't live. stay in that same fragile mm-hmm. brand new baby just reborn disposition mm-hmm. and it is scary mm-hmm. and that's okay yeah right and uh this is not a critique on apologia or jeff durbin at all because i've heard him exhort people hey don't go down that area sure, if you sure. struggle with that and i actually agree with that mm-hmm. and so i don't want anybody to go hey you disagree with jeff durbin. right but my situation i b- believe was unique in the sense that I ruled Arizona. (laughs) So I think that it's unique because God was calling you back there. Yes. In a lot of places that that I didn't want to go. That doesn't happen for everybody, but we're not supposed to be afraid right now. Like you don't say to somebody who is three days sober from alcohol, let's 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 go go to a bar and just sit there and watch everybody drink. And that first year I did nothing. You don't do that. Like we are actually, obligated to, mm-hmm. to do things wisely. As I got rid of my phone and my laptop that first year because mm-hmm. I just didn't have the maturity to handle it. And I preface it that way before when I was thinking uh, of getting rid of those things, I just thought they were evil and I would never be able to go back to them because I had the disposition of once an addict, always an addict, which sure. has actually affected my evangelism. Uh, and that's why I wanted to get back there too as well. Cause it affected uh, all, all those things. I couldn't do the things that God was commanding to do. Um, that's why I don't like these words like introvert or extrovert, even though I acknowledge their disposition, 
we seem to identify by those things and it prohibits us from doing things. So identifying with it isn't, isn't necessarily the problem. It's allowing that identification to keep you still. Right. That's exactly what, uh, what I mean by that. Right. Like, so you might be very, like if you were going to take some psych measure that, Mm -hmm. that looks at extrovert versus introvert, Mm -hmm. you might fall clearly Mm -hmm. on one side or the other. But that has nothing to do with what God expects mm-hmm. of you in terms of hospitality, mm-hmm. um, serving the body, mm-hmm. going to church, mm-hmm. um, being in fellowship with other believers, right. exhorting one another, supporting one another. None of that. Like you might very much be, quote unquote, an introvert. Right. And it doesn't excuse I know you them. from yeah. participating at all within the body or extrovert with, <laughs> within Sorry. the kingdom. So you still actually have not answered his question. Yeah, no, no. And so... The reason why I preface it like that is because it was affecting my evangelism. And so I go, all right, now that those desires are gone, or I believe that they're gone, I should be able to talk to them. And, um, and sometimes they're just not going to listen, you know, and so I'll say something about the gospel and then part ways kind of thing. But if they're at least sometimes coherent and I'm able, uh, I mean, because I'm able to handle that situation and know how to handle that situation, not only by experience, but the continuation of evangelism and going out there and just understanding, um, what they're saying, I, I will preach the gospel. And then maybe, maybe in that quiet moment, uh, uh, of their lives when they're regretting everything, which they probably go through every day, uh, or with some kind of guilt, um, they'll remember the, the Christian that comes to him. And I actually believe that about all people. Now I know that certain dispositions of psychosis or the psychotic nature, you're not going to be able to receive. If I can discern the situation that you're just not going to be able to receive, then my help, uh, uh, to you is that of benevolence or whatever I'm capable of doing. And, but I wanted to start off with that only because a lot of the times we're reluctant to evangelize because of our own lack of resilience to temptation of sin. Sometimes apologia goes out to the strip club. I tell anybody if they struggle with sexual immorality, not don't go out there. And it's not because you're looking at a strip club and you may be tempted to go in. It's because usually they tempt you with their bodies. And if you can't handle that, if you can't look at that evil and, 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 and be prophetic, um, because of your virgin eyes or your lack of resilience towards this, then go build that up. We'll help you. Um, and, uh, but, uh, uh, that's what, uh, that's what I've come to now the conclusion of, uh, of doing that. Some people are just not going to be able to receive it at that moment, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be moments later. And a guy like you will end up seeing those people over and over again. So the first thing that you do that you always pray, if you're able to engage, engage, um, that of benevolence and mentioning even Jesus when you're doing that Christ is taking care of you, you know, God's on your side, whatever, you know what I mean? Those little things will always lead, uh, uh, I mean, I have to believe that God can regenerate even the most, um, you know, uh, out of uh, insane, yeah, like out of mind, out of mind person. Um, if he, you know, like, uh, David said, you know, he, he won't come to me, I can, but I'll go to him. And we use that for, for, for children, 
Um, but uh, I do believe that God can meet them. And so what is my responsibility, even in that mere belief? It's always to mention Christ, and uh, I should not forego that. Now, there are situations where they're just not going to listen, where you're in, in, uh, in immediate danger, and you might just need to walk away. That's okay, too, as well. As long as if you analyzed in your heart that it's not because of your lack of resilience or your temptation of sin or anything like that, that's a good indicator that uh, you need to be sanctified in this area. And I would go and concentrate on that before you even step out into the streets or, or do another uh, sort of service while you build that up kind of thing. And, and I'm always uh, uh, exhorting people to build up resilience in that case, which uh, I'll tell you when I'm perfect in all areas, I'll be dead. But <laughs> but there you go. That's kind of I hope that's, uh, uh, the, you know, an answer that you were looking for there. Yeah. No, that was uh yeah, it was very, very helpful. And speaking of the the resilience, I just wanted you're talking about like warning to when people going out to the strip club if they struggle with sexual immorality. Mm. I have a history of that. I have a history of um, pretty much being well, not pretty much being addicted to pornography. Mm. And God set me free, you know. Uh, but I was worried about the one. I only went out to the strip club one time. And that was with, with you and I, Nick. That's we right. Out. Yeah, yeah, we did do that. Yeah. So I, I really wanted. And the cops came. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the sheriff's <laughs> came. Yeah. I really want to go, go out again. It was, I, I thought it was a very um, fruitful time of evangelism. I just, you know, schedule wise, whatever. But um, where was I going? Oh, yes. Resilience. So I was worried. I was worried about the very thing when we went, when we decided mm. to go out. I was actually concerned about the, the temptation. Right. Um, but. I, what I experienced when we went there was cause they did come out mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of the ladies came out and, you know, mm -hmm. would, you know, shake their butts or whatever mm -hmm. boobs at us. And, uh, what, what happened was I was honestly like, it was actually just disgusting to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause it, it's so like, I don't know what's the word like child, like childish yeah. for one thing. You knew exactly what it was. And, and then, yeah. yeah, so childish. And then also just so like, lost like so yeah. like just a uh you know depraved mind and we read scripture before we even we did, did that too yeah. as well and because i'm not gonna lie i came from that past too as well there's always going to be something in in me because of my male you know that is attractive to a female um you know uh, persona and body and all that mm -hmm. um that i think that we read what proverbs 9 or something yeah. like that uh the woman we of read adultery several chapters of yeah we read yeah we read several chapters of that just to prepare our minds and then we went out there and did it and uh and that is in a, a course of ministry and evangelism too as well is that um that you want to prepare your mind and that you want the word of God um, lodged in your heart and in your mind so that uh, you'll be able to exhort correctly and, you know, make sure that uh, you're doing things correctly. Um, I think that uh, we have to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and that is uh, getting the, uh, the, uh, the word into our hearts. Yeah. And so. I know. Uh, let me. So you did answer the question. Absolutely. The reason. And I just, can I just expand on why, mm -hmm. like what, caused me to ask that, that mm -hmm. question uh, is because when I'm at work, well, one, you have to be, I have to be careful if I want to keep my job about proselytizing, but, mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's, it happens, right. You mm -hmm. know, you talk, you're still going to talk about Jesus. Uh, but every time I would talk to a patient that was uh, delusional or an act of psychosis, like every time I talked to them about Jesus, like they're literally just taking what I'm saying and they're running it through the mm -hmm. filter of their delusion and mm -hmm. then they just incorporate it mm -hmm. into their delusion. And, it, and it's like, 
disheartening. I'm not gonna lie, it's a little disheartening because it's like yeah. you didn't you didn't actually hear anything I just said. Yeah. You uh-huh. just added it to your delusion and, yeah. and turned it into something completely yeah. uh, what yeah. I did not mean <laughs> at all. Um, so I've kind of just like honestly, I've kind of just like stopped doing it because I'm just I got tired of that. Maybe maybe that's something I need to. Robin, Robin, I'm curious. It to hear my, yeah. what you might say in that if you know something like that is going to go down beforehand what would you um suggest waiting till they calm down or okay so i'm i've been quiet for a couple of minutes because i i'm just <clears throat> i'm not sure like exactly what my conviction is over this anymore Um, If somebody is floridly psychotic and psychotic is different than what we use in terms of like a pop culture, uh, like phrase like psychopathy, that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody who is actively having difficulty with Mm. reality testing their hearing and seeing things. We actually did an episode on that. We did. You can check that out on our archive. Um, They have strange and fantastical and sometimes... um, like very weird beliefs that are Mm -hmm. happening. Um, And a lot of time people who are suffering through psychosis, their delusional ideation, if that's something that's manifesting Mm. with whatever's happening, whatever symptoms that is happening will be religiously themed. Like religious preoccupation is the number, like the most common kind of delusional preoccupation. So, um, so that I know clinically, I know that I also know clinically that somebody in that state of mind, well, I I mean, somebody in any state of mind, but especially that state of mind is likely to decide very, very quickly whether or not you are friend or foe Mm -hmm. and keeping yourself in the friend category becomes, in my opinion, very important if you hope to have continued conversations with them when they are no longer psychotic or when their psychosis is at least managed enough that they can engage Mm -hmm. with you in a more like reality connected way. Mm -hmm. Um, I would very likely refrain from, from saying anything super like, so if, if, you know, if I was the one encountering this, it would be like in a locked unit in a state hospital, something like that. And if I knew that a patient had, delusions that were religiously themed rather than saying something like repent and believe the gospel. I might simply challenge something they say that is clearly very Mm. inaccurate or false about Jesus, about what we know is true about God um, with something like, well, that's not the God I know, or that's not the God I believe in rather than specifically trying to use like the full gospel, right? Like a statement of the Mm. gospel in that moment, Um, which I think effectively does what you're talking about, Nick. Like if they don't remember because they're in a drunken stupor, but when they wake up, they have my pamphlet or they vaguely remember I was the guy out there who said I was a Christian. The problem though, like where I come up, like (laughs) where I'm playing my own devil's advocate is we actually know that God's word never returns void. Right. So while I do believe that you could be wise or unwise with how you approach anyone mm-hmm. with the gospel, we are actually just charged with making disciples. So ultimately, I, 
what you were saying, James, like watching somebody take what you say and immediately incorporate it into their delusional, delusional ideation, Mm. your responsibility actually ends with sharing the gospel. So whatever happens one, once somebody has heard what you've said and then like as integrating that, that's really one of those like, okay, and now I'm going to lean into God's sovereignty and really trust that their salvation, this person who I'm speaking about Jesus with their salvation was never up to me to begin with. And I think that is very hard (laughs) and also 100% true all of the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I, I would be very unlikely. I think with working with somebody who was that ill Mm -hmm. in the moment, to get really specific about the gospel because I want to have a conversation with them later when they are connected, you know, to reality. And I do that potentially, or I have more potential to do that by not making them an enemy, by not challenging, you know, the specifics of what's said. One of the things that, um, one of my, one of my graduate school professors, uh, awesome, awesome lady, she's retired now and I won't, I won't say her name online or on the air quote unquote um one of the like valuable jewels like the pieces of advice that she gave me before I started my internship at the state hospital was you know related to how you talk with people who are fluidly psychotic fluidly meaning actively psychotic right Mm. they are in a psychotic state so they are not connected with real with with the reality that most of us share they're Mm. in their own reality Um, and it was that you can, you can actually comment on somebody's experience of something without condoning or uh, supporting directly, Mm -hmm. like indicating that you believe or agree with what they say. So for example, what I mean by that is I had a guy when I was at the state hospital, awesome, awesome dude. I actually don't even remember how old he was late forties, early fifties, some somewhere around there. Um, and a, he, a psychotic disorder was part of his presentation. I would come on the unit and you know, Mr. So-and-so like, how are you doing? I may have told this story before. So you guys are getting a, a double, a double <laughs> replay if I have, um, how are you doing? Good to see you. Oh, Oh, Dr. Robin. It was awful. Like it was awful, awful last night oh my gosh, well, what, like what happened? What's wrong? They were at it again. And so this part of this person's, uh, psychosis was, and this will frame like the time period actually at night he believed, well, he always believed that he had a device that had been implanted into his chest. Mm. It's actually a pretty common, um, yep, I, I did. I, I believe that too. Yeah, uh, it was my mind, but not my chest. Right. Yeah. So some kind of like mind control. That's the that's the idea. The theme that you see. Some kind of device that feeds special information, special revelation, some kind of control over behavior, thoughts, whatever. Um, so this gentleman believed he had some some kind of radio device impl- that had been implanted into his chest when he was in prison, um, and this radio would pick up conversations that were taking place between Trump and Hillary, Hillary during the, uh, the elect, the, uh, pre, what are those the, the primary mm-hmm. elections when the, I'm back at that tells you how long ago this was. Um, so at night he was up listening to quote unquote secret phone calls that were taking place between Hillary and Trump. So <clears throat> rather than say there is no way that, 
happen because of course he didn't have a device implanted in his chest. Like, you know, there was not there. If to say that would just put me immediately into the category of people that don't believe what he says. Mm-hmm. Right. So rather it was like, Oh my gosh, that sounds exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like how terrible, which you can comment on like you, how awful would that have been? I'm pretty sure like the soundtrack in hell would be that phone call, yeah. right. Is mm-hmm. on loop. So you can actually comment on somebody's experience of something without saying, oh, yeah, I totally believe that happened. Yeah, without condoning them. So I think, you know, with this specific kind of population that are either they're out of their mind because of some disorder that, you know, that's happening or they're out of their mind because they're blitzed with Mm. whatever substance or I feel like it's very similar. You it's probably less important what specifically you say. Right. Mm hmm. Um, in terms of sharing the gospel because they're not connected to reality. Yeah. But I, I don't believe for one second that if you were to take the approach of just setting up like a box, they, like they would have Trafalgar Square in England and just preaching. I don't like, who are we to say that that would return void even if everybody in the audience was drunk as a skunk or yeah. otherwise? Actually, I have a similar experience. I was sitting outside of a Starbucks and this guy rolls up with his bike and all of a sudden he starts yelling and I go, oh, he's on one, you know, and uh, he comes out of this um, DMV place, this authorized uh, retailer. And he looks at me and he goes, I asked for a job and how can they not give me a job? And I'm like, and thinking in the back and I was like, because you're high right now, man. And I know you're high. And he starts talking to me and I'm like, I have my Bible. And he goes, what you read in the word and things like that? And uh, just starts going off. And I noticed that he was looking because I had a stack of books. He was looking at my books and he was looking at my pen. Then a guy came out of Starbucks and he was ordering pizza at Papa John's and he was listening to him and he was just doing this. And I go, okay, he's, you can't see Nick right now, but he's doing the shifty eye glance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I go, and I go, this was, I'm just three years, three, four years removed off the streets. And so it's fresh in my mind what he's doing. He's picking up on patterns that sure. are, um, you know, causing not, him to Not quarrel. actually there. Yeah, right. that are not actually there. This is all set up in his mind. He's saying this is all set up. Or at least that's what I speculated because sure. that was my version. That's part, I mean, that can be a really common component in paranoid ideation, right? And so he starts talking and starts talking about Christ and everything like that. And he's got uh, the utmost for my highest. You remember that devotional? Oh, yeah. What's yeah. that? No, uh, I don't remember yeah, that. I forgot the author. <laughs> is, what devotion? What does that mean? Like like a morning coffee devotional? Book? Yeah, yeah, it's like it's a devotional like a daily, book. Yeah, yeah. daily devotional. It's I'm a profound it devotional book. Right yeah, it's a it's a it's a uh, common in, in Christendom. Uh, I'm suppose. actually questioning your faith now that, <laughs> what that you don't know, know what utmost for my highest is. Uh, yeah. Utmost. He had a little pamphlet, and he thought that was the word of God. You know, and I'm like, okay, Oswald Chambers. Oswald yes, Chambers. Yeah, there right. you go. Um, and uh, I was like, how do I tell him that's not the word? It's a good book, but it, it, you know, it's not the word. And when he's picking up on these patterns and I'm deciphering, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to cut the BS here and I'm going to say it that way. I was like, well, first of all, I was like, I noticed that you were looking at my books and um, um, are you thinking this is set up right now? Are you thinking that I'm a part of somebody um, that got planted here? I just said it. And he goes, man, how did you know that I was thinking that? And I go, because I used to be in your position. I had an advantage. I wasn't a a patient at a psychiatric hospital or a doctor. 
uh, where you can't really say those things. You know, on the streets, you can actually just cut through the stuff. And I was like, and I was like, and that guy that's talking right now, ordering pizza, he's, uh, he's in on it too, huh? And he goes, well, that's what I was thinking. I, it, when you say it out loud, it sounds absurd. That's what, and so he was there, but not there. Kind of thing. I mean, that's actually pretty impressive that, yeah. he, that he could even connect, like break through to hear you. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of how I was under uh, methamphetamine psychosis too, as well. It's like, I, you can almost see you acting the way that you, it is completely antithetical to your normal disposition. Uh-huh. Crazy. Um, and that's what you're thinking. You're like, man, I, you, and so I knew that cause he was on a level of cognitive ability where he could at least talk to me, but that he was just extremely paranoid in a lot of cases, which elicited, uh, uh my thought of, and I'm like, are you running from something? Because usually methamphetamine addicts like to walk <laughs> and he did not look homeless oh, or it, oh. or if he was, he wasn't out on the street okay. very long. So sure. I could just tell, I was like, you're, you're clean right now. You have, um, yeah, you either you have a like a place to return to or you're mm-hmm. just coming from a place yeah. where you're you are cared for. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, it, his level of ability to to uh, think was still there. But I was going to use everything that I knew about methamphetamine, psychosis, paranoia, whatever to uh, as my advantage. And I think that uh, or to my advantage. And I think that. This is uh, wisdom in evangelism, too, as well. It's okay to draw from past experiences. This is why I'm glad that God didn't wipe my memories out. Yeah. Even though sometimes I wish he had, (laughs) because you also struggle with these things. And again, I I think I mentioned that in the last episode where um, uh, there's a, a scripture in Job where it says, you know, lay a hand on it. Remember the struggle never do it again kind of thing. And the way I'm describing it may be out of context, but I've always used that, that scripture to understand that sometimes I do have to lay a hand on my past, but simultaneously not looking back and desiring it, which is why he says you not to look back. I mean, like why does God call us out of places like that? Mm -hmm. I mean that, so what I'm not saying is anybody who had ever struggled with drug addiction, alcohol addiction now needs to go find them doing street ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a reason there's, well, there's a whole lot of reasons, but like, you are absolutely supposed to look back on your experiences, not so that it makes you shut down, like, you know, a uh, fetal position with shame and regret over where you yeah. come from, but with joy and thanksgiving and relief and right. like a heart that sings praises that God has brought you from that mm. place. And of course you should use your experience mm. to inform any ministry that you do. And, uh, I, I, and that's, that brings it back to the, uh, the exposure, uh, part is that I started making that a routine. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to my old apartment. I'm going to go down this alley. I'm going to go down this and I'm going to uh, pray and understand what Christ, um, uh, has done in life. Um, now I don't actually recommend doing that unless you have somebody uh, with you. 
But um, at that point, um, I I did go and venture off by myself and came out clean the other side. Do as I say, not as I do. There's right an exception. Yeah. But too much has been given, much will be required. And the reason why is that, yes, God prepared me for those things, right? And because I know, I can exhort people the correct way now. And that's why I use that scripture, much has been given, much will be required. I've experienced a lot of things that a lot of people will not experience. And because of my knowledge in those experiences, those miraculous things, those trials, the time I had to heal. Um, I have to use my wisdom to get back. And that's a part of evangelism as well. So my past is definitely going to be incorporated in that. You can go back without looking back, if that makes sense, right? And that sounds like a Christian saying. It sounds like something a pastor would say. Um, the Bible tells you not to look back, not to put your hand to the plow and look back. You're not fit for the kingdom of God when you do that. But he'll stick you in situations that as a redeemed person of Christ, um, uh, can now assess it rightfully without looking back. And that's what I did with this, uh, this gentleman. I actually just cut through all the weeds and said exactly what was going on in his mind and then cut through that with the gospel. And, well, um, and but that was a discerning thing. This uh, is not every, uh, everybody that I would run into. Go ahead. Right. Well, I mean, you, like you do take a risk that you are wrong. Sure. Yeah. Right? I could have been wrong. Yeah. This guy actually isn't. I was like, either way, he's going to hear Jesus. Yeah. So, you know, um, <laughs> So, yeah, I don't, I think that question that you asked, we've, we've spent so many, we spent a long time talking about it. I think it's an important one. It's not up to us to decide when the gospel is going to penetrate and who it's going to hit. I think it's what we're, what we are charged to do mm. is to be faithful and to be obedient. Mm. What, what that looks like in each individual moment changes, um, it requires you know, wisdom. It does require wisdom. It, a yeah. discerning of the yeah. spirits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think ultimately if you were to always fail on the side of it's better that I tell you about Christ than not tell you it, that would be the, that would be the right. I think that's way. the rule of thumb, right? That would be right, the rule right. of thumb, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, but, and in that recognizing that you may be the mechanism by which God uses uh, his power to mm. s bring someone to saving faith, mm. but it is not up to you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is where be be <laughs> becoming reformed really played. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> A and, huge uh, part. How dare I not even bring up Calvinism in my <laughs> conviction <laughs> go ahead though. Robin, no, no, no. <laughs> so I think um, what's, what is really, what's neat about what all three of us do is when we are counseling anyone, mm. we, our foundation is Christ. Mm -hmm. That's always what we bring it back to. Mm. And if, you know, you're in a situation where you are expressly forbidden from evangelizing at work, um, that doesn't mean that everybody around you shouldn't know 100% that you're a Christian and mm -hmm. that you are a convicted Christian, that you convicted in your belief and your love and your obedience and faith to Christ, right? Not convicted as in guilty, right? Mm -hmm. You're actually, you've been found innocent and free with Christ's righteousness. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think you have to ask yourself in the moment, am I, is what I'm about to do or not do mm -hmm. obedient and faithful to the calling God has mm -hmm. given me, mm -hmm. made for me? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, his providence either at that moment or the totality of your walk right. with Christ. And I, I would believe that both will come into play, um, especially that. And the reason why we, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time on this question is because I do run a homeless and addiction ministry. I mean, right. And that, that question. Um, cups that you, of cold water. Yeah, cups of cold water. You can go to Cups of Cold Water on YouTube and watch our videos. We haven't posted a lot lately, but uh, uh, we go out there uh, uh, to the greater Phoenix area and on the even on the east side of the valley in Tempe and in Mesa and things like that. Um, well, and I don't know like what you're, I know you guys haven't, um, that you haven't done a lot of videos recently. Mm -hmm. I have noticed, and I, it's just an observation. It seems like the homeless population this summer is so much larger yeah. than it has and been here in the Valley. I mean, in the Valley, probably i mean which probably has a lot to do with how cool it has stayed mm. unseasonably cool it's um it's a weird um, um thing to notice too as well because you know i i kind of grew up on the streets um and and so i'm always noticing people out there um, but now I'm noticing people on areas where they were not. Right, that's before. that has also been my observation. That's that's yeah. the indication that it's yeah. growing. But I feel yeah, yeah. So agreed. Yeah. To when, babe? When did we? It wasn't last year. It was the year before, right? That we yeah we went to um, Grace Agenda. Toby mm -hmm. was like seven months old. Yeah, yeah. Toby was six months old. It's like two <laughs> years ago. Um. So we, I would love to go every year. Hi, everybody in Moscow. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus, Laura Pittman, we love you guys. Um, so we took a trip up to the Grace Agenda in Idaho, and then we went over to the West Coast and came down. And <clears throat> um, so, you know, we were in an area of the world that I actually had never been to, and I've traveled a lot, so it was super cool. Um, but we passed through Seattle uh, right at like dusk. It was, yeah, it was right at right up. like right at dusk, which was later. It was like eight thirty, maybe. I don't remember. And it, like the sun sets later in the summertime. So anyway, but I was just astounded by the homeless encampments that we saw. You hear about it, like I mean, I'm sure I'd even seen pictures and different articles and stuff online, sure. but it was over it was overwhelming mm -hmm. the like the slum mm -hmm. so almost a, a their version of skid row yeah, yeah right yeah. right and so and i will say totally different yeah. than here in the valley yeah mm -hmm. um and i mean i know the politics are different in seattle and phoenix but and the weather, the weather is very different between the two places, but it was so hard. It was heartbreaking yeah, really to see, to see that. And it, it, it does break your heart and it, it breaks my heart here too, as well. And my experience, and this is where the level of danger comes in doing homeless and addiction uh, ministry, especially on the West coast. Um, the homeless attack the homeless a lot here. Um, they never used to. Back in eastern states or mid-south or whatever, um, I hear we take care of each other out there. I don't know if that's actually true. It's just from people I talk to here uh, uh, that are from there. A anyone that lives back east or in the 
the lovely South that yeah. has connection to please let us know like doing yeah. homeless. But we would love to have your yeah. objective opinion of that. But out here, and I've talked to actually gang members that are from LA, saying it's worse in Phoenix than it is in LA, and the reason why is because at least with gangs, and he's not, he wasn't actually putting gangs over as something to join, but at least with gangs, they run a block and they actually take care of. Some uh, of the animosity uh, that would might be around. There's some protection within that. But in Phoenix, there's like a form of government. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in Phoenix, there's certainly gangs, but they're all high on fentanyl right now, and nobody's taking care of anybody, and so everybody just no. There's no protection at, at all. That'd and be a great episode. Uh, the psychology yeah. of gangs and the gangs. the the cops here. I I I don't want to say that the police force is corrupt because they're not, but there are a lot of corrupt cops as well. And I even, you know, talked to a lady who was staying at a gas station. She was frozen and she was homeless, obviously high on fentanyl. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she goes, well, this cop came over and she took, he took my stuff and said, I'm going to be back. Don't move. And, and I go, see, but I have so much trouble believing any of that. Like, how do you know any of that's true? Right, right. Well, I, well, I saw the cop drive off and that's why I thought she was, uh, uh scared. And I, I looked at her and I said, I said, listen, ma'am, that cop's not coming back. And she goes, what are you talking about? And I was like, how long have you been out here uh, on the streets? And she goes, just uh, about three weeks. And I go, if that cop took your stuff, what you're telling me is true. Um, then he just took your drugs and, um, what'd you, he didn't arrest you. Most likely oh, he's oh going gosh. to, I most see, likely yeah. he's going to use it or sell it or bring it back. You're, you're going to be in a form, whatever. Um, and you actually see a lot of that um, out here in Phoenix. Um, and that's not every cop. I know some cops that would bust her and take her in <laughs> right there or get her into rehab. A lot of cops will take you to rehab too as well. So there are wonderful cops. The police department is wonderful, but there are a lot of corrupt cops out here too. And we see it all the time. Now that's speculation because I actually am relying on her word. But I did see her talk to the cop and uh, she was that naive to stay there. <laughs> and I go, you, you, you need to move you know, in the um, some of that is the level of control that they have over some people, too, as well. And there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. And then, of course, prostitution is out there, too, as well. What do you do with that? You know what I mean? Um, I've talked to a few different prostitutes with their what they call managers on the streets, but it is a pimp. <laughs> um, and the pimps nowadays wear tennis shoes. And what I mean by that is it's not Big Daddy Kane with a limo. Um, it is another person who is also high on fentanyl, um, smacking somebody around so that they can get drug money. And, um, you know, we'll see him over at the trash can, uh, yelling at us not to talk to them because obviously we either look like cops or we look like evangelists. A lot of people think I'm a cop. Um, I have sort of aviator type of glasses and I have to make sure that Nick I take those off. Not, just in <laughs> case any of you were wondering, yeah. you would never mistake Nick for a cop. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Not, Especially if you know me, yeah. but when you're out there, you're a cop, you know what I mean? Especially because the way you talk, you know, uh, some, t- uh, some people are daunted by my voice. Um, and, um, of course I have to learn slang. I, no, I don't have to learn it. I know it. And my, my demeanor changes out there too as well. So I adapt to my environment. That is, I mean, we talk about psychology of evangelism, uh, you know, 
to a Jew, I become a Jew. So how do I become an addict without doing drugs? You know? um, well, it's knowing the streets, know their vibe, know their, you know, know their language. And, you know, you go out there just like anything else. So. Um, yeah, but probably not by yourself. Find your, <laughs> probably find gotten, yourself a Nick, right? Yeah. And let your, let your pastors know what you're, yeah. you are feeling. I've, I've gotten yelled at. I've gotten yelled at for going out there yeah. by myself. Yeah. Don't be yeah. dumb. Yeah. Don't be dumb. Um, I've been homeless and homeless and addicted, addicting, addicted people for about seven years. It's only within the last couple where I started making it a ministry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, while Nick absolutely does not look like a police officer, Nick is amazing at spotting the cops. <laughs> we, we, we were at, uh, I think it was, I think it was Camelback Family Planning. Just go ahead and expose me for my criminal activity. I was, I was ministering at Camelback Family Planning and uh, this, so there are, I, we, we now know who the, so there's this, these, these officers in Phoenix that are like community liaison officers and they're literally assigned just to like, keep peace with like groups that are like protesting and that kind of thing. Um, so we now, now there's a couple of them that we've known long enough and we know who they are and what they drive and all that. But this was a while ago and I was at Kelmack family planning and I was ministering out there and, and, and Nick, Nick showed up to, uh, to minister there and uh, he walks up and as soon as he walks up, he looks at the parking lot and he turns to me and he's like, who are the cops? <laughs> and I was like, and I'm like, what? Cause it, this is not, it was a, like a, they don't drive marked like, Mar like Mark. Like Mark. <laughs> they were like in a, they were like in a Hyundai or something. And, and I was like, I, I looked at him like, I don't, I don't, what are you talking about, bro? And then like 15 minutes later, like they get out and they uh, come out. I forget what they wanted to talk to us, but they yeah. come over talk to us and they had the, you know, they pulled out their badge. <laughs> they were detectives. Yeah. They was, and I was like, okay, well, that's, uh, I guess that's a good time. <laughs> time. With the cops. <laughs> was, and, and I don't think they were trying to hide because they know that we know anybody on the street. They weren't really trying to hide, but uh, they were, yeah, big black SUVs around the corner. Some guys looking at us as a cop. No, but this, but this, no, but this was like a guy in like a like a red Hyundai. Yeah, like I don't. I, don't I remember that though. I remember that. And there, there's a lot of things that we spot out there. We spot drug deals out there. I spot uh, James, uh, 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 the other James. I'm not gonna say his last name yet. Uh, I already did. Yeah. Oh, you know, Balderrama. Yeah. James. Um, and uh, uh, he. Uh, likewise is good at spotting all these things probably better than me um uh, kind of thing um it, it, we're so funny too as well when we go out there because we have to adapt we get ourselves in the mind frame and so we're just driving down the street and james falled around we'll go chota 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 <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's just a, almost an immediate reaction and that actually stems from being so hyper vigilant about your surroundings um um that you just end up um I mean, that's never left me. You can, you, know pick, I mean? you can pick them out. Yeah, that's never left me. And um, uh, there is the level of danger of doing homeless and addiction ministry is predicated upon, predicated upon, there's that word again, uh, predicated upon. a shop, we're going to have like a hashtag yeah. predicated shirt yeah. for Nick. Uh, about what your environment is. You know what I mean? Um, like you said, Moscow is different than here. So, right. You know? God doesn't call you to be stupid. He calls you to be courageous so, and bold yeah. for mm -hmm. the gospel. So that does that mean that someone 
and how many thousands of people in history have found themselves martyred for Christ, mm -hmm. for, for God, it doesn't mean that you will escape every situation with right. no hair singed, right? right? But there is a difference between being stupid and getting yourself hurt and killed, right? right? And being wise and bold for the gospel, right? courageous and still finding yourself in a dangerous position. So have a strategy, have a plan. Don't, don't go alone like Nick did, yeah. or, <laughs> you know, yeah, and uh, have a strategy, have a plan, know your environment. And I will also say my ecclesiology. And I think that James and Robin, you would agree with this is that your pastors need to know yes, as well, very much. whatever kind of ministry that you're doing, you either, either need their permission, their blessing, or they need to be actively doing it with you or yeah. at least a, a whatever kind of group that they created to go out and do that. The men which, right, charged by God with shepherding your soul mm -hmm. should be allowed to do that. Two is better than one. Three is better than two kind of thing. Yeah. I just read that in Ecclesiastes. He's like, you know, a cord of three, right? And it's not easily broken kind of thing. And so uh, I feel like we have talked a lot about of some of the stuff that happens like while you're doing this ministry, James, mm -hmm. while you, like we've alluded to at least a little bit, what are, what is the, the psychological, what are the psychological consequences for both of you guys mm -hmm. individually doing these ministries and not, I mean, so how does it impact you guys personally and what have you observed in people in terms of their psychological impact you know, mm -hmm. I have a, a huge, broad answer, James. I'm curious to see what you were going to say first before I give my response. So there's the, it's a good question. And it's, there's so many in, in thinking about answering the question, like there's just like a ton of things that, that go through my mind because there's, it's not just a, a simple answer. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so there, when, when I do abortion ministry, it can, it, there are days that it, that it absolutely just eats at you mm -hmm. um, because you know what's going on inside. You, you know, what's happening. You know, when these mom and dads show up, like you, you know, what's going to happen mm -hmm. to that baby. And if even if they're just there for a consultation, because in, in Arizona you have to have a consultation 24 hours ahead of an abortion where you get an ultrasound and and whatnot. But you even there even if they're there and it's a consultation, you at least know that baby's got a 24 hour reprieve. But you know that you know even then you know that these parents are in there consulting about the murder of their children. Right. Um. And and it 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 can it can definitely. It, it can definitely eat at your soul mm -hmm. um, for sure. And, espe and especially this was always an issue, but espe like, especially after Toby was born, mm -hmm. um, it was just like a whole new, you know, sure. cause I would, I come home and um, you know, see, or even a lot of times I would have, you know, Toby with me. He still comes out with me sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and you're like looking at your son, you know, right. and, and knowing what's going on and knowing that they would have been happy to kill my little boy, you know, not, not too long mm -hmm. ago. Yeah. And so you're now you're viewing the abortion ministry and not just through the lens of, uh, as a man who loves children, but as a father who has one, Yeah, you know, um, that's a different, that's a different kind of mind frame. And, uh, I, I bet it ups the urgency or 
makes your heart more attached yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it really did. Like it. I mean, it was always something I was passionate about, and and you know, would would break my heart. But it definitely, it definitely changed. There was definitely a difference, you know, after after Toby came along. And it's uh so if if you guys haven't seen the movie there's a there's a movie called Babies Are Murdered Here and you can watch it for free on YouTube. Um, it was done by by Marcus Pittman and, and John Speed. And uh, RC Sproul Jr. taught is uh, taught is interspersed throughout it as well. And uh, RC Sproul Jr. on there says something that since I've seen it and to this day like sticks with me. And he's like they're like abortion in some ways abortion is like hell and you can't really truly contemplate the horrors of abortion for too long. Like your mind will just automatically defend itself and will won't let like, won't let you really just really contemplate on that too long. Mm. Um, and I, I think that, I think that's true. Um, there does, you do, I, I just have, I don't know for good or for bad, like you do develop kind of this, um, not cognitive dissonance, but you kind of, you kind of do get a little bit used to it for lack of a better term. And that's not, I mean, I don't know if sometimes, sometimes I like have to like tell myself like, Hey, you're getting, you may be getting too used to this, man. You may need something, you know, I may need to go back and watch babies are murdered here or do, you know, sure. do something that kind of like reignites, like, you know, I've had to I do don't, don't want to get, yeah. yeah I don't mm-hmm. want to get too used to it, but you kind of do like your mind just kind of has to like mm. set up like that distance, mm. that space. Um, I understand. Between you. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I do, I do think, so I don't, there is, so I am not one of, there are people that I've heard that are like everyone, every Christian has to be, has to be ministering an abortion clinic. I'm, I'm not one of those people who say that. I do think that you, there has to be, I mean, I think every Christian should at least like maybe go out there and, and pray at least once, you know, at least want to. Yeah. (laughs) Or at least, you know, like, I think you should experience it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I, I'm not one of those people who are like every Christian needs to be doing this on a regular basis. Um, I definitely think there needs to be, um, like a call, like you need to be called, um, to be out there yeah. on a regular basis because they're, they're on the, on the flip. So this is why I said it's not simple because on the flip side, um, God, it, God really does do a work. Um, like when I, when you're called to be out there, when this is something God has called you to do, there truly is a joy and doing what God has called you to do and being faithful to God's calling for your life. Um, and just being, being faithful to show up and the joy of the Lord, even in these horrendous death camps, even at these gates of hell, there's, there's a joy of the Lord that happens. Um, and even like, and and when you minister with other people too, then there's the camaraderie too. There's that special camaraderie that you get to experience. Trauma bonding. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like veterans, right. That deploy to, uh, combat active combat theaters in wartime. There's, there is something very special and unique that occurs when you are with the people that you lived through hell with. And that's very real. That's so, super. A lot of people use trauma bonding as a way to describe like an unhealthy connection that gets formed between people who survive things together. And I think, of course, that can happen, but it can happen even if you don't survive mm-hmm. horrible things together. But yeah, I'm, your I'm, battle buddies. 
how many days are you out there? So right now I'm, I'm consistently out there three days a week, um, is, uh, um, on, I go to, there's a different clinic I go to. Oh yeah. Sorry. Robin's Robin's telling me not to be specific. So yeah. there's a, yeah, I mean, if we're not stupid, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so I go to, I don't, I go to a clinic, uh, a different clinic each time. So Tuesday I'm at one clinic, Wednesday I'm at a different clinic. And then Thursday, I'm at a at a, a different clinic as well. And those are just the days I have off. I also have, because I work 12-hour shifts, we work three 12s. Mm-hmm. That's how my schedule works. So I have I do have four days off, but, like, Sunday is, like, that's the only time that I have, like, where it's just just us, just us and the family. True. Um, so I have... Today being a day we invited Uncle Nick over. Yeah, today Uncle Nick. Well, Nick's part of the family. Yes. So. There you go. Thank um, you. So oh. there's, there's a... <laughs> I have these, like, I do have to check because, like, I, I have these, like, desires where I'll be like, I'm going to start because one of the clinics is open on Sunday as well. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to start going out on Sunday as well. And then I have to be like, and Robin, Robin's very good at, like, helping me um, in a very, like, respectful, you know, totally not, not literate, just, but she's good at being like, you know, love, like, you really... You need you need to also have this time with your family, and I'm like, yeah, you're right, you're absolutely right. I need to I need to to realize that this is this can't this can't take this can't become more important than my primary ministry, right, right. Um, but all that just so it's it's very it's there's a lot going on. So there it eats at your soul. It 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 just depresses you, and and you can feel it sometimes, palpably feel it out there. But then at the same time there's this joy of the Lord that is your strength and God just gives you the grace, Mm -hmm. uh, to, to do it faithfully and, and bring the gospel to bear. Like a a peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Like the longer I'm a Christian, the more I understand about God's character, the more that the, well, the more like personal experience I have with that gift from the Lord. But the more that you understand like what that really means is like, the assurance and security that you have in your belief in Christ through Christ actually ke- keeps you peaceful even at the gates of hell. Right. <clears throat> um, and that, so that isn't to say though that you aren't going to contend with the like absolute, utter, awful, wretched, deplorable, heinousness that is mm. a gate of hell. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and the heart, this is the hardest the hardest moments for me outside there are when is when I can get, when I get a, a, a mom to engage with me and she is clearly convicted. Mm. Um, she's clearly torn, maybe in tears and I'm pleading with her and then she still goes in yeah. and then you see her and then you see her come out the side door or you see her, whatever, you know, different clinics, there's different places. Limping and everything. Yeah. Okay, yeah. With the nurse, the nurse walking to the car. That's, that's the, that's the worst, right? Like, you know, like you saw the conviction, yeah. you thought, Oh man, God is working. Right. You're like, you're like, Oh yeah. God's working. She's going to change her mind. God's going to save her baby. And then you see her go in and then you see her come out and you know, that baby's dead. Yeah. That that's definitely the hardest. And, thing. uh, life is going to be difficult for that mom too, as well. Yeah. If she was already thinking that before she went in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have that double and, uh, and you see that and you know, the realities of that too, as well. And, um, 
you know, thank you for being out there. If you want to support uh, James Barrett and his ministry, it's a gospel-centered baby rescue ministry, www.p24men.com. That's Proverbs 24. Yes. That's, that's, that's what it stands for. Yeah. <laughs> the letter P, 24men, as a ministry, M-I-N.com. And is, P24men.com. Uh, for you, Nick, it's Cups of Cold Water. Cups of Cold Water on YouTube. And I okay. and we're getting ready to wrap. Also, but can you answer the Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah, we're, we're getting ready to wrap up here, but... Um, I want to answer that question as well. I I, I want to echo um, the joys and the rewards of going out there and evangelizing because some people do listen and some people do get better and some people we see God emphatically move their, their hearts. I just got a person off the street two weeks ago and um, and uh, I even spoke, uh, I haven't actually spoken to him directly. Um, I uh, spoke through, uh, spoke to his wife <clears throat> Um, we got a man off the streets. This was about six months ago. Um, and, uh, he's been in rehab ever since. He's now a sponsor. He's working for them. And, uh, he had, um, um, us, uh, uh, his wife text us and say, you know, thanks for, thanks for doing what you do. You saved my life. When you hear those things, you know, um, you know that you're doing the Lord's work in there. You know, that's, um, um, can I, can I say something about mm -hmm. that? So, Yes, yes, it is super wonderful mm -hmm. to get that kind of feedback yep. when you're doing ministry. Mm -hmm. But yep. it, I think it's extremely important that you remember there is no obligation on the part of our Lord to show you any mm -hmm. of the fruit mm -hmm. of what you're doing. And he, did, yeah. and he and chose to do that. When, yeah. He, yeah. when he does we should fall on our faces mm -hmm. and worship him because we aren't obligated. I, I don't know why recently I've just had this, that metaphor as it, um, like as it can be applied for, for architecture, like cathedrals, buildings, churches specifically where the person that started building it knew None, no one, like no one they knew currently was ever going to see it completed. This generational mindset, we've lost a lot in feeling like the only way we can know that we're doing God's work is if we see fruit immediately. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. And we aren't owed any feedback mm -hmm. about whether or not what we're doing is fruitful. Your job is to be faithful and mm -hmm. obedient to what God's called you to do. Yeah. And we should be able to rely on that solely. And um, something that we need to repent on um, when we uh, we demand that from God. Right. Because it's easy to get discouraged when you don't. I know like that's something mm. that James and I have talked about with his ministry specifically. It's so discouraging right. when you are out there consistently and you are calling and you are being faithful and you're being obedient and you don't see any moms turn away. Right. And it's just it's heart wrenching. But it's really important while we're heart wrenched, right, to recognize nowhere does it say that God is obligated in any way to show us that fruit. Mm. We, he, he's not. And just, we aren't actually in a place where we can judge the fruitfulness of it, right? right. And then there's the other side to it where, you know, you mentioned, you know, depression, sense of urgency, maybe even jadedness, uh, bitterness. Um, dealing with addicts, um, I'm just going to say this, maybe, uh, maybe you would concur, especially out there on the streets. Um, when you're dealing with an addict, it's another way of saying you're dealing with a liar. Yeah. They lie a lot and you know 
when they're lying to you. You can't prove it, but you just know. Dealing with people, <laughs> let's just say 30 to 40 different people a day, and they're all high on fentanyl. And you heard the same story coming out of this guy. You heard the same story coming out of that guy, that girl, that guy, that guy. Oh, I have a job first. I this or that, or I just talked to my mom. You know, it's like, no, you didn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you did. <laughs> um, we see couples out there and one wants to go to rehab and the other doesn't. And the one is not going to go to rehab without the other. Oh, yeah. Now I tell them. First of all, um, stop doing that. <laughs> Just stop. You need to break up. It's okay to break up. Now, maybe I'm not going to be so blunt, but sometimes I am, you know. And yeah. sometimes it's the girl holding the guy back. Um, it's not always the, the other way around, but it, 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 we get a mixture of the two. But then also, most of the institutions don't let couples come in no. unless they're married. Talk about a codependent nightmare. Right, right. Because, well, you know what? You, know, you got two addicts. First of all, two addicts don't need to be together like that. You know yeah. what I mean? They need You're to be separated. You're not going to find a thoroughbred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, just, you're just not. <laughs> At most of the time, they give me that that story, though, as of I'm doing my duty of protecting this person. When all along, it's you to, that doesn't want to go to rehab. And I know that. And so don't lie to me. Well, and every, yeah, you know it too. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, I'm right. If I'm wrong, I don't really care about being wrong on that situation. I'm just right. going to, it doesn't matter because what I'm going to exhort them with is the truth. And that's right. Jesus Christ. And he needs to get sober. And I always tell everybody, it's not about intoxication and it's not about um, sobriety. Life is not about sobriety or intoxication. It's about Jesus, but you do have to be sober um, uh, 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 doing that. So now sobriety is meaningful. However, um, you, it, it, there's, you start to um, you start to get to know your city, and it, it does parallel with situational like like you know parenting. Um, you you start to think about those things. You start to think about your government. You start to think about how you can impact change. You start to see problems that enable addiction, um, and it's easy to start um, not only holding the uh, the um, addict uh, responsible, but everywhere else responsible too. And you can get very bitter driving down the street, even when you're not doing ministry, just going, and that makes sense. And you want to give up only because you're not only dealing with liars, you're dealing with people who are enabling them and you don't want to even live there anymore. Like, it's like, I I felt like I'm like, I just need to get out of Arizona. It's a, it's a, it's a wreck. It's just fentanyl ridden. You're going to go to a place without homelessness, right? It's fentanyl ridden. They're attacking each other. All they do is lie. The government doesn't care. I'm leaving. (laughs) And that's what you, of the problem is so huge when Mm -hmm. you are just one or two Mm -hmm. or three people Mm -hmm. standing in front of it. But then there's these moments mm-hmm. where God gives you and you're seeing the fruit right there. And then <laughs> I used uh, this is being having a background in behavioral health and, and, and counseling and everything really, really does help. I was talking to a woman who was 27 years old. She looked like she'd been on the street for a while. She was actually on probation and I don't even know how she was going to pass her UA. She was just hoping that she wouldn't get called that day. Fentanyl will go out of your system in about two or three days. Um, 
along with the same thing with methamphetamine. Weed is 30 days, but no one cares about that anymore. Well, at least 30 days, depending yeah. on how much adipose tissue you Right, have. right. Um, and uh, nobody cares that, uh, about that um, anymore nowadays. I'm not sure if uh, uh, the government really cares if you... Um, Drop a dirty uh, UA with marijuana. I just don't care. I, have not, yeah. um, I'm, I haven't checked in on that. Well, she starts describing, you know, herself and why she's out there. And she goes, uh, I, I try not to pick my face. Meth and, you know, meth addicts pick their face all the time. And and I go, oh, well, and James, and she goes, he goes, oh, do you tend to do that because of, of the methamphetamine? And he goes, she goes, no, I want to be a dermatologist when I grow up. Ugh. Now, I've told, I've told that, see, and you get what I'm saying uh, right there. Yeah. Um, I've told a lot of people that story without implying what I mean by that or without implying what I know. And they go, what's wrong with somebody saying I want to be a dermatologist when I grow up? And I go, she's 27 years old. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a dermatologist, but she's an adult female who still says when I grow up. So that means that she's probably been doing drugs since she was about 15, has never left that mentality. Mm. And I'm actually getting emotional behind, you know, behind myself because that to me is extremely heartbreaking. You don't know who you are. And sobriety is going to be very, very difficult for you. But I was able. Well, if I want to be a dermatologist when I grow up, is the reason that you're not picking your face because you're loaded on dopamine, mm-hmm. that which is what happens when you use methamphetamine, um, you have no understanding of your worth and value. Mm-hmm. You clearly do not conceptualize yourself in terms of an, like as an image bearer of God, which should be the reason that we are all avoiding methamphetamine. Um, <clears throat> You're right. So she was she was saying I you know she just had this aspiration, and the reason why she doesn't do some of the meth symptoms or actions is because of this. And I go, you know, first of all, at 27 years old, you don't need to be saying the word I, you know. When I grow when up. I grow up, and then second of all, that's not the reason to do stop. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> but what I was able to do, and this is some of the fruit in this conversation, is that we do interviews with the, these homeless people if they want to, and um, um, and uh, she wanted to, and she ends up talking about um, you know God and everything, and she's not a Christian; she doesn't know the scriptures whatsoever. She can't tell you a single thing about Jesus other uh, other than He saved us from our sins; He's the Son of God. Well, you know. The general things that Americans know. Right. She might have picked up. Yeah. From a TV special. Yeah. She watched Thief in the Night when she was, you know, I don't know. (laughs) But but like. uh, um, I also don't know what that is. Oh, it's one of those pre-millennial movies. It's just like a, it's like a left behind. Uh, But, uh, um, but she ends up saying, she goes like, you know, I do believe in God. I have to believe that, you know, if something is against me, then something has got to be for me. She, Hmm. she ends up saying that. And I go, do you think it's a coincidence that two Christians came here talking about God to you and that, and you didn't even know this, you quoted the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8? And the fact that you quoted the Bible kind of leaves specifically that you're not just talking about God, if God, you're talking about Christ. If God is for us, who can be against us? Yes. <clears throat> now, and I, I said, now, ma'am, that is scripture is for Christians, 
right. ones who have repented and put their faith in Jesus Christ. We're the ones that can say this. But it's funny that you know the attributes of God. Why do you know the attributes right. of God? And then I told her Romans 1, and she starts bawling. She goes, I guess it, it's not a coincidence. Mm -hmm. I didn't. And I pick, I, I do those little social cues. I connect them all together. I have not seen her on the streets since. That doesn't mean that she's well. Right. That means she either moved to a different, well, I know I, I travel all around the blocks. I and haven't it, seen her and no one has seen her. And somebody said that she went to rehab, but that's what I, I'm hoping that's take, uh, that, that it's taken place and that she's off the streets. Right, and she's but safe. it was, and then she actually emailed us on YouTube. So I know she's safe. She emailed us on the YouTube channel and says, these guys are great. They're the only ones that do interviews that, that care. Most of your people are just trying to get a wrecked meth addict as their, um, Oh, thumbnail yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as their thumbnail so they can get views but these guys though they want to grow their channel actually care and there's a couple channels that do what we do too as well so we're not the only ones out there doing that but um and we see the fruit uh, of that but also in a heartbreaking manner you know and i didn't know robin if you knew where i was going to go with that story but it's the fact that she's, she said well, i want to be a dermatologist when i grow up broke my heart yeah um simply because well first of all that's you know the, the picking the face the methamphetamine and all that stuff but the fact that she said when i grow up and she being 27 years old um shows me that she still has a childlike mind and i don't think i'm wrong about that one kind of thing <clears throat> so i think um what is the moral of this story it would be unrealistic to expect yourself as like participating in any ministry for the kingdom to be unaffected psychologically. Um, I think we could do a whole nother episode on what we have witnessed, mm -hmm. you know, like the psychological makeup of individuals that we have um, engaged with, like especially at the abortion clinics um, to kind of bring this back though, to what the conversation really started as it, you know, with June being hijacked for pride um, and, you know, potentially feeling as a Christian, as a believer, like you would like to engage the community that you see. So like in your face celebrating sin, um, you should do that and you should do it with boldness and not because uh, like your opinion is right, but because God says these things are sinful and the wages of sin is death. I, <clears throat> Um, I don't know how many of you guys follow Allie, Allie Beth Stuckey. Oh, yeah. Um, she's awesome. If you don't follow her, mm -hmm. you should check her out. But I want to, she posted something, I think within the first week of June, it's the 11th today. So you guys are going to get this. It'll be like the middle of June already. Um, but I really, really love this post and I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, I'm sure she shared it on Facebook too, but this is on her Instagram and, uh, and then like end with a plug for all of our ministries. <laughs> so um, let's see. The post actually starts with uh, the title of it is seven ways to glorify God this June. Mm. Pray. So one would be pray for your unbelieving friends. Make a list of seven friends or just people you know who do not know Christ. Commit to praying for one of them each day of the week in the month of June. And I would exhort us to just continue to do that, mm -hmm. right? Like not just in June, but forever. <clears throat> Number two is share the gospel. Find seven opportunities to have uh, gospel-centered conversations with unbelievers. 
at the grocery store, with your friends, at work, with a family member, or with a stranger God places in your path. Mm. Number three, and I love this, support Christian businesses, right? So most of you guys are probably at least nominally familiar with, you know, targets, the whole target thing that's been going on. Um, so it's not, you know, we aren't supposed to just be offended when corporations <laughs> celebrate sin. How can we like do something about that? That isn't just let's boycott target. And I love this support Christian businesses. So can you find seven Christian business owners to support this month, replace Starbucks with, uh, and she's, she's talking about people that are, I think she's in Texas. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that, but locals. So, you know, in Phoenix, you know, a whole ton of Christian business owners, um, Susie Martinez and Susie's Flowers and Gifts here in the Valley. Um, Nick Thomas, his brother, Tony Thomas, owns the Standard Beer, Beer to Care, the Standard mm-hmm. Beer. Oh, the Standard Tony. Beer. Well, he, actually he wants to do that, too. So <laughs> trust he, me, he'll he get into that. One of the sponsors here at A Couch Divided. So um, I love, too, that she's using the number seven. What a great, great, holy mm-hmm. number to be using. Sure. So, um yeah, find and support Christian businesses. You know, don't just be upset and angry and bitter and cynical about what's happening. Like, go do something mm-hmm. positive about it. <clears throat> um, memorize scripture is her next admonition. So commit to memorizing seven verses or passages. I really got to work on that one. Here's a sample list. And then she gives uh, some verses in Hebrews, Job, John, Ephesians, Revelation, Psalms, Psalm and the Psalms and Romans. Um, And my guess is that each one of these is very related to the month of June and pride. Um, Get out of your way is the next piece of advice. Think of seven acts of kindness you can do for your friends, family members, or a stranger. Take a meal, buy a coffee, offer to run an errand for a busy friend, send a message of encouragement. What can you do to make someone else's life easier or edify them? Uh, Praise God. Start every day by thanking the Lord for seven ways he's blessed you. For example, salvation through Christ, a job, your children waking up that morning, etc. She just does some throat punchy things like so gracefully, you know. And then the last one really quick is have fun, (laughs) create seven fun phone free experiences with your family or friends that don't require giving money, money to entities that oppose your values. Mm. So, um, yeah, I love that. And, um, I like how she just, you know, sat there and thought of those things too as well, you know, and, uh, and, uh, I always appreciate her and, uh, I love the way she talks on her podcast too too. as well, because it, she just goes to town without pausing. She just goes to town. Yeah. She's very quick witted. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I like that aspect too as well. Um, so yeah. So, you know, like find out, ask in your church's prayer page or your next Bible study, like who, who here owns businesses? Like, how can I support you? How can I pray for, you know, if you can't financially, so that's fine. Like your encouragement and prayers are so necessary. You know, this might, ministries this like might be cool too as this. well. If you have a Christian business, um, then, uh, let us know, 
Um, oh yeah, and, we can put uh, together a list, and, and we can put together a list for people. If uh, and then yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah, it'd be fun. And um, yeah, maybe so let us know what you guys <laughs> yeah, are well, out there doing for the kingdom. And uh, you know, we got a small audience here. Maybe we'll talk about sponsorships with you guys too as well. <laughs> and we'll, we'll we'll throw that down the pipeline as well. Um, I like how she said, "Get out of your way." Yes, and that's why I've been losing weight because I was like stepping all over myself, and you know, <laughs> just like just my you know whatever belly. Was in my halo? way, yeah. Does it wobble? Um, uh, but uh, no, get out of your way is uh, is um, is a is really a good, good as a post as a post millennial needing to take dominion. Yeah, I'm in my way a lot. Don't be the person yeah. that is <laughs> like telling yourself, I don't pick my face because I'm going to be a dermatologist when I grow yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be a dermatologist. Right, yeah, yeah. just go do it. Like yeah. it, it is actually okay to be afraid or nervous when you are in a situation that requires courage of you. In fact, it wouldn't be a situation that requires courage if there wasn't some risk involved in it. Mm. And the, the, the best news though, of all of that is we're actually standing on the only solid ground. Everything else is what sinking sand, sinking sand. I've been using that scripture a lot lately and uh, I sing it like the song. Yeah. Well, James, is there anything else that you wanted to say about your ministry before we wrap up here? No, other yeah. than I, you know, covet your prayers. Yes, for sure. definitely. Pray for the ministry. We'll definitely be praying, and uh, as we said, uh, stand on the word of Christ. That is building your house on stone. Right. All other words are sinking sand. And if you catch yourself on sinking sand, look to Christ and yeah. take heart. He has overcome the world. We love you guys.